The Kinky Boys Podcast. Exploring one kink at a time. Hello and welcome to the Kinky Boys Podcast. I'm Craig. Today I'm working alone, um, but that's okay because I have a very lovely guest with me. To, um, today we have Ralph and he'll be discuss- discussing the Real Clear Fetish Initiative and the Sober Social in London. If you'd like to introduce yourself. Yeah, hello Craig, it's Ralph. Um, yeah, it's it's. thank you for le- having me on. It's a pleasure. I mean, I've been wanting to get you on for a while to talk about this because I think there's a lot of fascinating things um, surrounding it. Yeah. Um, so maybe we should start off with what is Real Clear Fetish? What is Real Clear Fetish? Uh, well, it's it's a group I started over uh, a year ago now. Uh, we just celebrated our one year anniversary. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a, it was a group I started last year, mainly out of um, well, slightly necessity for myself as well, because fetish had become slightly problematic for me because I'd been suffering with drug addiction and uh, I'd stopped drinking and and so on. And doing fetish on the fetish scene here in London can be slightly difficult or triggering. Um, so I, I kind of went in and went, do you know what? Maybe this should be an alternative to the drinking culture and uh, the chemsex culture. And I kind of came up with this idea of a group on Facebook for um, sober gay men. It, or mm-hmm. do you know what? It, it's, it's either people in recovery. It doesn't really matter if you are or not. Uh, or people that suffer with social anxiety and so on and might not want to do the drinking bit or too many crowds and so on. Mm-hmm. Um it's 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 a safe space to kind of be someone in recovery, but also to be someone who might not choose that chooses not to drink, or chooses not to do drugs and so on. And it's it's a non-judgmental um, environment mm-hmm. uh, where I, I deter discussing drugs or uh, alcohol-driven sex. Um, not that that can't be a discussion about it. It's more um, that's not what we're about. It's 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 about. Yeah creating a safe space and a space to discuss problematic problems around chemsex and alcohol yeah i do think for a long time there has been this need for this sort of space or event Mm. um like i'm uh i quite like coming to events because even though i drink i'm really a very light drinker and most of the Mm -hmm. time i stick to soft drinks and there's something in our culture. It's not just like gay men on the fetish scene. It's sort of, you're not allowed to just stick with soft drinks. No, the, the, the amount of times I, I haven't had a drink since July, 2017. When you say that to someone, no matter if it's the fetish scene or not, they just look at like you, Oh, your arm just dropped off. That that's kind of the feeling you get sometimes. Um, but, but because drinking is so acceptable nowadays, it's, it's not, the, the thing is, we need to kind of look at drinking and kind of go, do you know what? Drinking is also a drug and it's also very damaging. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, it's just like, I will just ask for a Coke and without fail, the person getting the round will always go, are you sure? Yeah, it's, ooh, that are you sure comment. It, do you know what? I, I used to be that person. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was the one who's like, why are you not drinking? That doesn't make sense. How are you going to have fun? Uh, but you know what? After a, a year and a half of not drinking, oh, yeah, occasionally I, I would love a drink. Don't get me wrong. Um, especially because social settings sometimes can be a challenge. 
when you're not drinking it 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 kind of becomes your go-to for a little bit of extra confidence yeah when you don't have that what do you do um but do you know what it's it's i don't necessarily miss it um but yeah it, it's it's you kind of just get used to not drinking um yeah yeah it's i mean there's a long history of especially for gay men our socializing spaces are deeply tied to alcohol yeah um and it and a lot of i think it's something in our culture because gay men often don't have a lot of confidence whether it's body confidence or just growing up feeling differently we're left with a sense of nervousness inadequacy lots of internalized shame issues and we've kind of immediately gone to alcohol as sort of a social lubricant to try and get over or get past that Oh, if, if, if I could count the amount of times I've started, um, I'm originally from Denmark mm -hmm. and our drinking culture is very much similar to the English drinking culture. Um, and the amount of times I've stood with friends in a bar looking at this hot guy and I just can't go up to him. And that's where I just get so drunk because I don't have the courage to go up to someone. Um, and then what, what's the point really? You're too drunk to do anything anyway. Yeah. So... <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, it's it, drinking is just so acceptable. Um, and we should really kind of have a look at that really, because we do have some very unhealthy drinking habits, I think in, in this day and age. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, addiction in general to sort of other drugs. I mean, in London, there is a huge crystal meth problem among gay men. Yeah. And yeah. it's, from what I've heard, it's really starting to take hold in Manchester as well, which is like the sort of other big gay scene in the UK. Yeah, yeah. I, I have spoken with friends in Manchester that's saying the same things. Um, and and it, that's, of, that's, of course, sad. I, I do want to point out, I, I, I look at alcohol and drugs and I'm very non-judgmental. If people want to go out and have fun, of course, go out and have fun. I, I, I'm only... I will only be speaking what is a reality for me. I, I can't speak on behalf of anyone else. Um, I think that's that's very important. And I'm also not going around with a, a lifted finger at people who's like, drugs are bad, blah, blah, blah. I wouldn't have been doing drugs if they weren't fun. Yeah. That's, that's, that's <laughs> the thing. Why would you do something that's not fun? Um, and yeah, it's, 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 it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, it's a difficult one. It's sort of everything's fine in moderation, but there seems to be something in the general way, like the scene is set up that pushes people away from moderation and into excess. Oh, yeah. I, I think people are, um, from, from my, my, my personal experience is I have no stop button. Mm. I, I was never a, a daily drinker or a daily user. I was never in, in that way. But I was, as you say, excess. I, I don't have a stop button. When I, get, when I get going, I'll probably not stop for, before four days later. And that's because <laughs> it's just stopped working at that point. Because um, there's only so many drugs you can take before they stop working. Yeah. I mean, it can be... I just... A lot of this, I think, ties into sort of a lot with mental health issues and anxiety and that. I mean, I know most studies have shown in the general population... Addiction doesn't just come from substance abuse. It also comes from a sort of emotional need. Yeah, uh, my, my, my personal experience is one of the things I didn't know I suffered with was uh, social anxiety and mild depression. And I would compensate with alcohol and, and drugs. I, it's only after stopping I've, I've realized 
um, having um, obsessive thinking, like mm-hmm. constant thinking about one specific item and just being so consumed by the anxiety around that. I, I thought that was normal. It was just my reality. That's just the way I was. So I had never given it any thought that that might be a trigger point for me drinking in excess or doing drugs in excess just to get away from that type of anxiety. Uh, and it's only now I've realized, you know what, mm, that's, that's, I'm a little bit crazy. <laughs> and that's okay. But it, it was something I had to realize afterwards. Yeah. And it, it can be so, I speak from experience too, where once you realize your thought patterns aren't the norm and like you have something like depression or anxiety, it is life changing because you actually begin to view and analyze your own behaviors. No, oh, absolutely. Mm. Um, I, I think one of the things I've always struggled with, and that was where, where I would drink to excess and, and do drugs to excess, is I would go to a party and I would be so engaged with the fact I need to have a good time. If I'm not having a good time, I'll just drink more and take more drugs because then I'll definitely have a good time. But the fact of the matter is, and I, I think that's probably also something you get with age, which yeah. is fine. You kind of get that maturity is if you're not going, if you're not having a good time, just go home. There's not anything that's going to happen that won't, you couldn't do at a different party where you actually will enjoy it. Um, and, and, and I think, I think that's something I've had to learn is I can actually go home if I'm not enjoying myself. I couldn't do that before. Yeah. I would be too anxious about, oh, I've made the effort, blah, blah, blah. What if I miss out? Um, but you know what? What am I actually missing out on if I'm having a bad time? Yeah, there's there's a really good book going around at the moment, which is sort of like a self-help book, but it's entitled mm. The Power of Fuck It. Yeah. And it's basically yeah, just yeah, having absolutely. the freedom to say, fuck this, fuck that, fuck it. I don't, I'm oh. not doing. Well, it, it's, 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 you kind of get this culture now where you you get Instagram, you get Facebook, you get all this constant updates from everyone, mm-hmm. and you see this beautiful life they might lead, um, and and it creates this, and that's not just the fetish; it's everywhere. And I'm definitely one of those people. I will see a picture of someone at a lever event somewhere and go, "Oh, I could have gone there, and that would have been fun." But you know what? You can't miss what you didn't do. It's just a picture. It's just a, a snippet of whatever. It might have been a shit party. It's just a good picture. Yeah. You have no idea what the actual environment was like, what mood that person was in. I mean, I find, especially on that subject, a lot of people I know really struggle with the idea that they're not having as much sex as they should, which is a really damaging idea. But when you go through like Twitter, you can see people really try and put on this facade of constantly broadcasting when they're having a kinky sex session mm. or when the boys are coming around or and that sort of broadcasting of their sex lives and really trying to make it seem like they have this amazing ongoing never stopping sex train yeah and it gives everyone i know this sense of i should be having more sex i'm not fulfilled and it's like you're having as much sex as most other people yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think at least since becoming sober and, and, and clean, or I don't necessarily like the term clean. I, that's one of the reasons my group is called uh, Real Clear Fetish, mm-hmm. because there's so many negative connections to clean now, yeah. um, which, which is where I will start educating people on fucking <laughs> grinder if, if they use that term. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. Um, but it, it's, it's, oh, I lost a thread now. Where were we? Uh, we were just talking about sort of, fear of missing out and mental health yeah. um but yeah it's 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 oh 
gone and lost it. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, we can always come back to that. Um, mm. One thing I do notice is there seems to be a big generational gap with um, alcohol. Yeah. Um, sort of drinking to excess seems to be a lot more of the sort of, for lack of a better word, old guard. Sort of the much older leathermen I see on the scene tend to be much more willing to drink a lot. And sort of my generation, sort of the people who are now just coming to their 30s are a lot less excessive in their drinking. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing a, a change um, in drinking habits, um, which is a good thing, I think. I think people have just gotten – I think people are longing for an alternative to the pop culture to yeah. um, to just – because you stand in a bar. What do you have in your hand the whole time? It's a pint. Um, and, and it's either a pint or a phone. <laughs> yeah. um, and and do you know what sometimes it's actually nice to go to a club where you can't have your phone on you because you and i am very much guilty of that also looking at my own phone um oh, me too yeah totally. but yeah it's 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 nice to see that do you know what the next generation is becoming wiser but then you also have a section of of the younger uh crowd um that gets kind of thrown into grinder and scruff and and drugs and 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 easy accessible sex and and I I couldn't imagine not knowing a time before that mm-hmm. where we haven't we're getting a generation now that will only have known that and that's that's scary I think yeah I mean there's a lot to be unpackaged with the sort of grinder scruff and the sort of date quote dating more hookup apps let's be honest it's uh, it's not dating i'm sorry yeah. <laughs> yeah. if, if you if you answer the second message with a dick pic that's not a date no, no. <laughs> um and, and and one of the things actually coming back now I, re- I remember what i was trying to say um is is after becoming sober and and, and clear-headed is um my sex life has changed and um, it was not out of uh an, an urge to change it it's out of a necessity to change it because a lot of my sexual practices uh were very destructive like like you say it's it's this online broadcasting phenom- from phenomena i can't say the word um mm-hmm. with like you have cam4 you have um several different types of services where you have people having sex on webcam and yeah. and some of it and some of it can be very destructive and I am completely guilty of that myself. I, I, I've had to put some ground rules on certain behaviors I don't do online. I don't send naked pictures anymore. I don't do cam sex. I would rather have a nice conversation with someone than going directly into how big is your cock? Uh, do you take a fist? All sorts. Of course, those kind of questions, if you want a play date, it's good. But it's not the first thing I would ask yes. nowadays. So you like to build a rapport more with people. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think that that section of my life where it was uh, as an air, take a cock, onto mm-hmm. the next cock, so on and so forth, that was fun, but it's not a part of my well-being now. And I, I know with my mental health and so on, it's not good for me. It, it starts ideas in my head, sexual connections with um, bad behaviors, and which I have to be careful with. Yeah. I mean, I do see in general, especially on the fetish scene, sort of... There is a corner of the fetish scene where drug use is really ingrained and part of the kink scene. Mm. And it's, um, oh God, who was it? One of my friends had an encounter where he was chatting with someone. Um, I think it was on recon and 
the guy just asked him, so do you do chems? And he was like, no. And it's like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you was kinky. It's like, when did taking drugs become a fundamental part of being kinky? Um, I will, I will say for my own personal story is, is I did, I like no, no one does, but I didn't set out to become a drug addict. Um, it just kind of happened. Um, I think one, one of the things that when I, when I moved to London, I, um, which is back in 2009 now, so I'm coming up to 10 years in London. Um, I hadn't really tried drugs. I was very green. I was very naive um, at the time. And I, I started experimenting and that was fine. I occasionally did one or another drug and, and that was just in the club or uh, when we got back to the hotel or something like that, which is fine. I, I have no issue with that. And if people can still do that, that's fine. I have no issue. I just can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. But one thing that happens over time is imagine your brain is plastic yeah, and plastic is slightly rigid it's not like rubber which is slightly more stretchy and blah 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 but um over time your pathways in your brain starts creating these roads and where to get hard with lever or rubber you need that extra thing all of a sudden it goes from you're into lever and rubber to go you are into chems with lever and rubber yeah. And that's what that's what happened to me. There was at one stage I did not like putting lever on. I did not like putting rubber on. I I looked in 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 my closet and looked at that gear and I thought I felt unwell. It was that connected. Um, and it's taken me a, a course over probably two years where I either have relapsed or um, I'm now coming up to seventeen months clean or clear headed. Um, and it's taken this long to kind of start enjoying lever again starting to enjoy rubber again, actually get a hard on from that type of gear and not what I would be doing in it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm very glad you can at least get back into it, even if it takes a mm. while. It's, But yeah, the brain does work by association and it's sort of, if you get into that, you have to work to separate the two again. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not easy. It's, it, it takes a, a lot of work and um, a lot of self-will, but also knowing who to talk to, who, who, who can help you. Um, and it, it's, when it comes to stuff like this, it's okay to put your hand up and say, I need help. I'm, I'm, I'm literally drowning here. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, and that, and, and the thing I've, I've learned is mo- people have different, uh, rock bottoms or, um, uh, uh, as, as, or, or just a desperate moment. Um, mine was two and a half years ago, I think it must be now, where I had my first drug psychosis, which um, was quite scary. Um, and and that kind of set me on the course of something needs to change. I'd been the boy who cried wolf for a couple of years at that point. It's like, I don't want to do it anymore. And then I'll go in and out and do it anyway. Um, alienating people, um, almost losing friendship there's probably a couple of friendship i had lost along the way that could have been something special but i was just i was i was in my own little world yeah one, one, one thing with drugs is you get very selfish um yeah yeah i mean a lot of people don't realize it like creeps up on them they don't realize how much it's affecting them because it happens no. over the course of days and weeks and months and like Oh, mine was over, over over years. Um, I I kind of started on the clubbing scene in two thousand nine, and I only kind of realized it was a problem maybe four years ago. I kind of started going, mm, "This is not good." I I think 
what was clear to me was one night a friend asked me the question, so how long is it since you've been had you've had sober sex? And I couldn't remember. But for me, I was just like, oh, that's not a problem. That's okay at that point. But no, that's not okay. Um, I used to do fetish and be able to do it very well with no chemical influence. Mm. Maybe occasional beers, but no chemical influence. Um, but yeah, all of a sudden, I, I couldn't do it without. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the big failings of the discussion around drugs is the sort of um, reefer madness sort of expectations. Mm. Because... Obviously, in these old PSAs and after-school specials, it's sort of you take the drugs and immediately your life starts falling apart and immediately you feel the negative effects. No, that's not yeah. the case. So when all. people in real life try it and it's like, oh, this doesn't happen, it it must be fine. Oh, no, no, that it, 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 it creeps up on you. Yeah. It's like, I'm not anti-drug, sort of, but the way I always... The analogy I go back to is drugs are like credit cards. Some... Mm-hmm. Like, um, some have a very easily repayable APR and they're fine as long as you're responsible and just use it for treats once in a while. Other drugs, especially like crystal meth, they tend to be like very predatory, um, loan sharks sort of thing where you can pay on them and you find the payback, the emotional toll it takes, um, really spirals out of control quite quickly. Um, yeah, I, I would say crystal meth is. If anyone's considering to try that, be very careful. Be very, very careful because, at, at least for me, at the end, when I had my first psychosis, it was every time. As soon as you make that connection with psychosis, drugs induce psychosis, mm-hmm. it, your brain will go back right away. Uh, and mine was centered in paranoia and, and thinking people would try trying to kill me, which was not, wow. <laughs> as you can imagine, not <laughs> yeah. fun. Um, now I can kind of, I, I, I look at it and go, oh, I imagined nurses in blue uniforms outside my flat. And, and I can kind of look at it and go, well, that's nuts. Why, why would there be nurses outside my flat trying to get in? Um, and, and the sheer, sheer madness of that, mm-hmm. I can kind of look at it and, okay, I need to laugh. This, this is ridiculous. I, I, I told my, my ex-partner who, um, I live with a couple of days a week, I told him one of my psychosis things was me imagining him trying to get into flat, my flat and catching me doing drugs. His reaction to that was he started laughing because he was like, so you had psychosis about me? Oh. <laughs> almost like almost that, like it was a compliment. I was like, it wasn't fucking fun. Why the fuck are you laughing? But it, yeah. I, I get it. I get it. You have to laugh about these things. Yes, it's fucking awful. It's fucking awful having to call an ambulance out and get, get go to the hospital and they're just looking at you like he's going to kill himself with this. But then also you kind of just have to go, do you know what? I fucked up. I fucked up. What can I do differently now? Um, time to kind of figure out how not to fuck up. And it took me a, at least well, a lot of stumbles emotionally, mentally. Um, and yeah. Sorry about that. Alarm went off. <laughs> That's fine. Um, yeah, so we've talked about the effects and, mm. you know, how you can fall down this road. So maybe we should talk about um, the sober social. Yeah. yeah. Exactly is that, what it's for, um, how often it's held, that sort of thing. So what is the sober social? The sober social, which goes under the hashtag going in dry, which normally sparks a giggle for most people. Yeah. Um, it was actually, a, I, I, through my group, I, I kind of went out, okay, I'm doing a social. What should it be called? 
and a couple of people came back with suggestions and it was like um uh, well there was a couple of fo- suggestions where i i thought that 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 sounds great but do you know what going in dry has such a an impact never mind the pun about mm-hmm. that um it hurts a bit <laughs> uh but it, it's 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 good for marketing anyway people notice the name uh but no sober social is is I, I've, I, there's a, this group here in London called Queers Without Beers, and I do have to thank them very much so because they organize sober socials for LGBT plus people, uh, community, mm-hmm. and they source um, local uh, non-alcoholic drinks, including gin and tonics. Yes, I had to kind of, when they told me that, I was like, gin and tonic, how is that going to work? But actually, it's quite nice. Um, and they sourced this. So I contacted them saying they have this event. And I just kind of went, well, would you mind me using some of your stock? Of course, they'd get the money um, for a more fetish for mm-hmm. uh, bisexual, uh, gay or transgender men in, in who are into fetish. Um, if if fetish women showed up, I, I wouldn't send them yeah. away. Don't get me wrong. Uh, it's, it's social. It's it's non-judgmental environment. But it's just it's just to give an alternative. We, we have great socials here in london we have the level social once a month but it's set in a pub yeah and for some and for some people that can be really really triggering if you have a drug or alcohol problem for for me i i i had to steer clear of pubs for a long time because my brain would go oh i know what i could do in that uh, toilet cubicle where i would normally go in with a little bag or something um i've i've thank god i've passed that now i can now be in an environment where there is alcohol without having a problem but not everyone has that luxury. Um, and also, it's not just for people who are in recovery. It's also for people that just maybe don't want to be drinking every time they have to do fetish. Um, so it's, it's, it's non-alcoholic drinks, teas, coffees, and cake, and, and, a, and a nice chat about the world situation. What new gear have you bought? People come casually. People come in gear. My, our last session um, – mm-hmm. We had a boot black. You might know him. Yes. Oh, gee, I wonder who, who, who's the boot black there. Mm, thank you very much. Um, yes. Um, and you did a very nice job. You did. Yeah. Um, um, and, and you have people showing up in leather and rubber, and, 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 and it's just a nice, safe environment where to give an alternative. It's not to judge people going to the pub. It's to give an alternative to going to the pub. Yeah. And it... I mean, I really enjoyed it. It it was quite nice because, if I'm honest, I find bars, clubs, and pubs really bad for me just because I struggle to talk with people there because it's so loud. It is. It is. At at your sober socials, it's, you know, it's in a cafe, and it's a nice, relaxed environment. Yeah, yeah. And and emphasis on social. It's not a sex party. Yeah. Um, I I think the cafe owner might object to that if we did that. Uh, I have had the question, where's the sling? Uh, but do you know what? I would, I, I've, I've talked to several like organizations. You have Rot here in, in London. Mm-hmm. Um, is it bi-monthly fetish night or every three months they do a fetish night where it's purely leather and rubber? And I've contacted the organizer of that and went, okay, I have some people coming with me. Some of them are sober and some of them just don't drink or choose not to drink. Um, what selection of non-alcoholic drinks do you have? Just to inquire yeah. about what do you actually have available? And he was like, that's a great idea. And, and he was all for it. And we need organizers here in London or in Europe for that matter to a- address this uh, because, well, 
give you an example. I went to uh, Paris for Mr. Level Europe uh, contest last mm-hmm. year, and I was—I must admit—I was a bit shocked. There's no non-alcoholic drinks anywhere in Paris. Really? Nowhere. There's only soft drinks or Red Bull. Mm-hmm. That's it. I was—I was shocked. I, I was expecting at least a Bex Blue or something, but no, there was no alternative to it. And that's, that's where I think organizers should go in and, and cater for our sober sisters and brothers, if you could say. Yeah. Uh, they are there. There are – just because you're an addict doesn't necessarily you – know, you're not a kinky bastard. Yeah. It, um, it's like if you uh, – like when you go to Full Fetish, uh, at the bar, the non-alcoholic options are a Lucasaid, a water, or a can of Coke. And that's it. And there's only so much can of Coke you can drink. Yeah. 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 It's 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 it needs to be a little bit more at at the forefront, I think, uh, to to cater for well for everyone when you're there. Yeah. Um, and and to be honest, the Lucasade and the water are normally for the people who are on something anyway. So I wouldn't normally be drinking that myself. Um, so it's 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 but people are open to it. Um, homepage like Recon have been very very uh, helpful with me. Uh, they put out an article I wrote some last year about my group and about me and and the interest it sparked was immense um so there is there is this section of of fetish life we are just not engaging with properly not yet anyway yeah again i think a lot of it goes back to historically gay and there's lgbt spaces really are tied with alcohol Mm, they've always been bars and clubs and like you don't really see any other sorts of venues. Um, the best, I love that in London we've got uh, Coffee, Cake and Kisses. Yeah, yeah. It used to be Coffee, Cake and Kink, but they had a dispute with the landlord over that. Um, but they are a alternative lifestyles, air quotes, so kinky, LGBT, uh, cafe. Mm. And they host events there. They do talks. They do events. But just during the day, it's a lovely place to go and have a bit of cake. Um, they have puppy bowls for people. Um, and I know in San Francisco, they've got a similar one with a coffee shop called Wicked Grounds, which tries and does the same thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which for the listeners, Wicked Grounds actually has its own podcast on the uh, network that hosts us. So go to our host network page and check them out. <laughs> just, a little, just a little plug I have to do. <laughs> a little shout out. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's more, more, you know, now you mentioned San Francisco and, and America for that matter, <laughs> their sober, um, clear headed kink scene is immense. Uh, the big culture difference from here to America is they, their crystal meth problem is huge, 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 mainly because it's so fucking cheap over there. Um, and it's, so they, they, they have to have this, but they also, they support each other when it comes to the sober sex and so on. I, I, I have American members on my group, um, and there's just been MAL. Mm-hmm. Um, um, is it Mr. Lever America? Is that what it stands for? Mid Atlantic uh, Lever? Oh, yes, yeah, sorry. Cut yeah. that out. It's Mid Atlantic <laughs> Lever. Um, and I've had people posting from 12 step meetings there. It's like I'm at a meeting at the event. Oh, wow. How amazing! How amazing is that? No matter if you do twelve step or not, that that's up to you. It's your how you want to suit your recovery and how you stay clean or sober. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's amazing, and and some of the people who are on my group chat together and kind of go, "Are you going there? Are you going there?" Um, because keeping safe 
if you are a person with an addiction, comes first. Kink comes second. For me, going to a club night, I have to make sure I am safe, that I feel comfortable with the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't put myself in a situation where, because to be honest, uh, in the nine, uh, 17 months I've been clean now, or clear-headed, um, I have not had the unfortunate event happen to me standing in a bar where someone offers me something. I, I hope that will not happen, mm-hmm. but that might happen. And if I put my hand on my heart, I don't know what I would say because I have not been in that situation. That's where having a, a safety network of people that either understand your situation or are solidarity sober with you that evening or are themselves sober. I have had friends I go out with where they choose not to drink because I don't drink, which is really nice. Um, it's just having that person you can go up to I feel triggered. I feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Just saying, just saying that can take that fear away. I've, I've been in situations like that where not necessarily I had the opportunity to use. It was, I, I just had that anxiety sitting in my chest and going up to someone and just kind of just grabbing their hands and saying, this is how I feel. Yeah. Just, th- th- that makes it dissipate really quickly. I mean, just getting it outside your own head and sort of talking it through with someone can be so good for putting like things back in perspective and sort of diffusing like the building tension inside your own head. Yeah. As it gives you an outside perspective. Yeah. I, 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 when, when I get that, I call them ants on the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if I can diffuse it by talking to someone, they might just go, Ralph, you're just being silly. Fine. Then I am being silly. And yeah. then I snap out of it and that's perfectly fine. Uh, sometimes you need someone to call you out on your bullshit. Mm-hmm. because your brain will fucking trick you. And and my brain definitely wants to trick me sometimes, making me think things um, that are not necessarily true, because I like, I like, like a lot of people, I like to project what people think of me. Mm-hmm. And that, that can be a spiral, especially when you're in a club, especially when you do fetish that's so grounded in the visual. Yeah. Um, the visual, what you're wearing. It's, it's, oh my God, it's like being on a red carpet, isn't it? It's like, who are you wearing? Um, it's, and some, the, in some ways, like, I like that people go all out and really sort of invest in their kink, but there is a, a darker side to that, which is it becomes competitive. Like, who can get the best looking gear? Who can get the most original gear? It's sort of, you know, that can be exhausting. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, I think one of the things I've, I've learned to do is now I don't look to compare myself or mm-hmm. say, oh, I would love I, if I had that. I just go there to get inspired. Yeah. Say, oh my god, that's amazing with that. I'm just it's it's like going in and just like, okay, I, I like that item, I like that item. What if I combine that? Um if, if you could think like that when you're out and not get upset that oh my god he has the nicer leather or oh my god he has like Wesco boots or Langlets yeah. or whatever it really massively expensive gear people have. If if you look good and, and, and you feel good in your gear, then that not doesn't really matter. If you want to have that gear, well save up and then you'll get it eventually. Um, but just don't compare, just be inspired to reach something like that type of gear. Yeah. Uh, I mean, one, this may sound a bit hackney, but I find it really true, which is gear cannot make up for just being an interesting person. No, no. Um, if someone, if I talk to someone and I have that spark of connection and I can see, oh, you're really intelligent, smart charming or just a nice person like 
niceness goes a, such a long way to me finding someone sexy. Oh yeah, that's the, the of course that's the visual. If if I walk into a bar and a guy in in, in full depth language, I will automatically be to- attracted to him. But if I go on up and talk to him and it's like talking to a door, yeah, th- then the attraction goes away. It's a visual, yes, that's fine. But th- there needs to be a little bit more. There needs to be some sort of connection between you, and yeah. a, as you say, a, a spark between two people. Um, either that, it just becomes very mechanical. Yeah, and it and like this is why I like the socials, both the regular monthly uh, London leather social. Um, I believe the rubber social starting up again on the la the last Sunday of the month, as opposed to the leather social, which is the first Sunday of the month. Um, mm. And the sober social is they give you oh, yeah. space to just get to know people. Yeah, it's it's not like when you go to a club and you're basically part of the meeting where you have to be on show. Here you actually go to meet people as people and talk to them and get to know them. And most of my fuck buddies I have found through the socials, not club night. Mm. Because you, I find a much stronger bond and attraction to people after I get to know them. And it's a lot easier to do that in the setting of the socials, not the um, like sex clubs, basically. Yeah. it's it's um, You can have fun in a club, but you're not going to make any meaningful connections there it's too loud it's too busy it's too sweaty um I mean, which is it's fun don't get me wrong but it's kind of exciting having fun in the club. just because i met my husband there but i will say uh, it's a lot harder to <laughs> <laughs> well there's always the exception to the rule absolutely um uh, my i used to be in a throuple and the way they met was on a dance floor someone hands someone a, a chain mm-hmm. they go at the end of this chain this chain is attached to the other guy's pa wow <laughs> yeah yeah you don't get that today um and and so yeah you can meet someone in the club especially yeah this is not a story they tell their parents let's say it like that yeah um <laughs> but i love that story because it's like how often does that happen um but yeah it's for me i, I think also after becoming sober and clear-headed is connection is more important to me now it's because I have my wits with me now. I'm not constantly doubting myself or on a calm down or um, I, I just long more for connection rather than, oh, show me your dick. Yeah. It, and again, this is generalizing and it won't be true for everyone, but. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, anything I say is, is just my experience. Yeah. No one else's. But I've talked to a lot of people who have had um issues with drugs in the past especially on the gay sex scene and a lot of them say they sort of used the euphoria they got from using the drugs as sort of a substitute um because they were lacking the intimacy and they were lacking that spark so Uh, they needed to give something extra to the sex yeah but the, the the ironic bit with with um the intimacy the search for intimacy through drugs is it's fake Oh yeah, yeah, it's not. It's not. You you can have sessions with people where there is a genuinely a good connection between you with the drugs. Fine, that's okay. But in most cases, it's it's just a chemical. It's it's just your brain being flushed with uh, pleasure, uh, dopamine, um, and and that that's fine for what it is. But I I've I've had sex with guys where we've been so off or not where I kind of, oh my God, he's amazing. We have such a connection. It's amazing. And then two days later, I was like, what the fuck was I thinking? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and you kind of, it's like, 
uh, yeah, I've, I've oh, the amount of times I think I'm in love with someone when I did drugs, and afterwards I'm kind of going, no, no, I wasn't in love. I, I, it's far from it. Um, yeah. uh, you get a very much a romantic idea of what reality is on drugs. Um, to, it can be fun, but intimacy, true intimacy through drugs, I don't necessarily think exists. No, um, no. It's, yeah, but so many people use it as that sort of a crutch and then they find that they're stuck in it. Well, we, we, we're stuck in a culture now um, with, with grinder and scruff and God knows how many different types of apps there's out there. And it's, it's, it's uh, instant gratification. And, um, and most people on there are seeking intimacy, but it just ends up with a fuck and then you kind of leave again. Yeah, you, um, you get that sort of uh, clashing ideas of a lot of people say they're looking there to date and not just no strings attached, but all they end up having is fuck sessions. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that you can't have sex on the first date, absolutely. Um, but it's, 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 grinder, grinder and scruff can be very cold. Yeah. It's, it's, if you're behind a phone or a keyboard or and so on and you take, you take the personal connection away. You, and that's one of also one of the reasons we have racism and, and transphobia and, and, and um, HIV stigma on, on online meet, media because there is no, um, what do you call it? Uh, there's, there's no consequence by saying these things. Yeah, and people are presented as objects. They are, yeah. li- I mean, literally in the true sense, they are objectified. You are shopping around. And you're how tall them. are you? How big are your yeah. cock? How much can you take? What are you into? It's like so on, so forth. Your profile stats are set out in the same way you'd examine like shopping for a new phone. Oh, that yeah. one has a really good camera and a really good processor and a ten-inch dick and you it's know, detachable. It's, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, and 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 one of um, I am on Grinder. I am on Scruff, and and occasionally I, I will use it for sex. I even had some today. Yay, um, <laughs> which was great. Uh, so it, it it's it's um it's a, it's about make doing what makes you comfortable yeah um and and not just doing what everyone else is doing um which i was definitely one of those people i would do everything everyone i would do what everyone else was doing because it was just the norm this is what you do yeah it, so it comes down a lot to questioning the culture that is handed to you again yeah like going back it from my own personal experience going back to the fact that I don't really enjoy clubs and noisy pubs is that took me a long time to figure out because that's what you're meant to do. You're meant to go out and have fun in a club. And I realized it took me a long time to actually get to the point where I'm like, this doesn't fit with me and I have other options I can explore. Oh, we, we live in, we live in a city with so many people and so many choices for things that doesn't necessarily involve standing on the dance floor at two in the morning. Um, and that's also one of the things I've realized is, is there are alternatives to fetish. Um, and, and that's what I feel like I'm trying to create an alternative, not judging, but just an alternative to what is already out there. Yeah. It, it's just making the extra space and making it known that you can have these other places. Mm, yeah. It's, it's, I, I, as, 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 I was just following what everyone else was doing. So everyone else was doing drugs, so I'll do drugs. Everyone was going to the club three days a week. I would do that. Everyone's doing chill out. I would do that. Everyone else was singing dick pics or whole pics or whatever on, on grinder and scruff. I would do that. I, I would, I would, well, present myself as a piece of meat. 
one, one of the things I've changed now using Grinder and Scruff, and sometimes that ends with me not having a date, which is, I'm perfectly fine with, sex date, mm-hmm. um, is when people ask for nude pictures, I don't send nude pictures. I'm, I may send myself in a, in a jock strap and a pair of boots. Fine. That's as nude as I will get. I will not send a picture of my hole. I will not send a picture of my cock because I don't feel that's necessary. In any other situation, if someone sends a picture of their cock, they can get arrested. <laughs> but on Grinder, it's almost unnormal if you don't do it. And, yeah. and it's 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 such a weird culture, really. If people want to do that, fine, do it. I have no issue with that. But I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah, I think, again, I think it's the crux of, it's not good or bad, it's just taking the time to reflect and actually examine if it's right for you. Yeah, yeah. People need to, um, like, humans by default will just accept the culture they're already in, to a certain degree. And I think we need to take some time to say, does this element of the culture actually work for me or am I just going along because it's always been that way? And that's what I think really needs to start to happen, especially with Grinder and Scruff and that. It's fine if it works for you, just actually take a second and ask, is it working for you? I, I think, especially with Grinder, I, I, I will say good on Grinder for trying to, they did the whole campaign about being kind on Grinder, kinder. Yeah. Um, and that's great because there is this like, no Asians, no femmes, no fats, yeah. blah, blah, blah which I fucking hate. Um, also, mask for mask or... Yeah. Uh, it's just like, what, what, what is masculinity anyway? But that's beside the point. But one thing they're not addressing is the fact that if I go online on Grindr at, let's say, at two in the morning, maybe every, every one, one out of three profiles will either commercialize selling drugs or wanting to find people who are doing chem sections. Yeah. And... and and, and they're not addressing this. They're just letting it happen. Um, fine, if you want to have a uh, PEM session, okay. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to judge people on that. But the fact that it is so much on, on Grindr and it doesn't seem to be, a, be addressed. I've, I've basically contacted Grindr one day because I'm not a paying member. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I do to keep myself safe is I tend to, to uh, block these profiles because I don't want to be tempted, yeah. um, which is fair enough. But as a non-paying member, you only have a certain amount of blocks. So I wrote to them and, and I just said, do you know what? I think you should open that for everyone because you do have a user, um, uh, customers who might be in recovery but still wants to use your app, but they cannot afford it and they can only block a certain amount of people and that puts them at risk. Of course, they can come off the app. I'm, I'm not completely stupid, but I still yeah. thought it was something to be addressed. And their their response was, oh, we're having this chat on their forum and nothing came of it. It was just one of those blanked answers. I'm, um, I'm going to get on my high horse here. Um, but it's sort do. of the fact that Grindr tries to monetize um, blocking people. But that says to me, they obviously realize how bad a lot of the elements of the culture on the thing is there. And it's like, well, you don't have to deal with these awful things in our app, our environment, and we're going to charge you for the privilege. And that is so shady. Well, uh, yeah, it, it boils to, down to, well, the owner of Grindr just doesn't care. Yeah, it is so... It's, 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 a, it's a business. And, yeah. and uh, don't, don't get me wrong. I appreciate it's a business. It's, it's, but you but there's a line need there. to be... You, yeah. you need to take responsibility. Um, no one's forcing anyone to take drugs on Grindr. That, that happens. Fine. But if you have a, a, a customer section that is enabled by your app to do drugs in a hurtful way, even making people probably die, you need to take responsibility. 
to put something in. I, I remember when Grindr started up and there was a lot of rules of what you could put in your pictures and so on. And my profile got deleted because I was wearing a meerkat. Really? Yeah. And nowadays you can have profile names with slang words for drugs and they won't do anything. Yeah. But... It's it's changed. There's no, there's no uh, monitoring of their app. Not in the same way it used to be. No, I mean, I could sit here and talk all day about problems with um, the sort of tech and apps and uh, moderation and AI moderation and human moderation. It, it's a big bugbear in my like my day job. Yeah. <laughs> I think that would go off on too much of a tangent for this podcast. Of, of course, of course. It's, it's, mean, that's a whole separate podcast yeah. right there. Yeah. Um, but, and I, I could probably speak for hours I mean, on that as well. Yeah, so. I mean, it's Twitter. Like, Twitter has these problems where, like, their moderation is so crap mostly because they are so huge. Mm-hmm. And it's... Oh, yeah. I, I've only I've only recently gone onto Twitter. Um, my group is also on Twitter, so I'm I'm under real clear fetish. Um, so I'm, shout out for my Twitter account. Uh, but it's it's I didn't realize how filthy it is. Oh, it's, yeah, it, yeah. oh my oh my god, the things you can find on there! I I I, I was shocked. I've ne- I, I've been one of the last ones on Twitter. I just kind of like I had enough with Facebook. I don't want another profile. Um, but then I kind of went. You know what? I probably need it for my group, which is fine. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I tend to not use Tumblr for that reason because there's triggering things on Tumblr, Oh yeah, which I mean, they're, but well, they're closing that down yeah, anyway. Yeah. So eventually if they ever do it anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm slightly naive to Twitter and realized, oh, I can't sit and scroll Twitter at work anymore. Yeah. yeah I, <laughs> I mean, I've, I separated out my not safe work and my work Twitter or Mm-hmm. You know, I have a Twitter account that I post on occasionally that I don't mind future employers looking at. And it's sort yeah. of, yeah, I'm fine with that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Twitter's a good place for porn a lot of the time if you follow the right people. <laughs> mm, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's, it's almost as good as Pornhub on there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> surprisingly, I was, I was, I was shocked. Um, but yeah. Internet is porn, isn't it? So yeah, they will utilize it for it. So, so we've talked about sort of uh, the real clear fetish and the going in dry mm. social. Um, let's talk about you. Uh, so, like <laughs> my favorite subject. Yes. <laughs> no. Um, um, well, you know, this is a fetish podcast, and I always ask people what are their fetishes and how long have you been on the kink scene? Oh, too long. <laughs> no. Um, if, if you calculate from when I started on the fetish scene, mm-hmm. I, I've been on the fetish scene for two years. No, not two years. Sorry. Let me start over. If you calculate um, how long I've been on the fetish scene, I've been on the fetish scene for 10 years mm-hmm. and a bit. Um, my first spark of interest for, at least for Lever, uh, my earliest memory was I was 13. So, and two bikers in full biker suits um, at a fair. And all of a sudden, mom, I need to go and look for myself. And I followed them around. Uh, I didn't know what that was, but I knew I I found it very attractive. Um, But I started fetish when I was probably 22. I am now, I am actually, so it's 12 years. Um, I'm now 34. Um, But... There has been a period in the last couple of years where I've had to step away from it. So mainly because of connections to drugs. So I've had almost a two year break from it, um, doing like big parties and so on. But yeah, I, I, my first, my first experience with fetish was through an acquaintance when I was, uh, well, around 
20 to 22, I was trying like worker gear mm-hmm. a lot because that was that was cheap and accessible. Um, but my my first love is leather, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I I've typical like the same type of parties like everyone else: Boston, Berlin, mm-hmm. Eastern Berlin, Hamburg when it was still Spike. Um, Folsom in San Francisco, all these things, all these big parties and, and amazing people I've met along the way. Um, done the whole title circuit as well. Uh, yes, you're and a title owner, aren't you? Yeah, I, I, well, so long ago now, it's, it's almost embarrassing <laughs> to mention it. But no, I, I won, uh, Mr. Denmark in 2008 and then I won Mr. Europe in 2008. Nice. So over 10 years ago now i'm so old um no i'm not uh, i was no I, I i was just very very young i was 24 when i won it so um and i am the second youngest to hold that title i think no yeah. actually i'm the i'm the third youngest now because there was someone younger than me that has won it since um so it's it's yeah uh, so I've, I've done all that um i've done all the the title pageants and uh the traveling around doing fetish clubs and so on yeah so i've been around nice and so leather's your primary fetish are there any others or uh well leather is my primary one mm. if if i if i want leather is not necessarily my go-to to play in because it's not really if, if i'm completely honest it's not the most comfortable fetish to have when you play <laughs> um but i i love i love rubber i love um skinhead gear um Sports gear is a big thing for me as well. Um, mm-hmm. it, was, it was one of the things I, I picked up when I, I came to London. It's the sports gear thing. Um, also, it's, it's a, getting quite big lately. Like, it is, people it really is. seem to be discovering it. Yeah. Well, for me, sports gear uh, originally was, well, this is the, the easy, uh, the gateway, if you could call it gateway <laughs> fetish, to get into to fetish. And nowadays, it's pop play. That's the gateway yeah. fetish. Uh, I used to do pop play quite a lot uh i've both been a puppy and been a handler um i've kind of just grown out of it um also i i do find myself being oh i did pop play before it was mainstream yeah yeah um i i I, when when i did pop play everyone would look at me weirdly nowadays it's almost you don't do pop play um so it's it's weird to see how it's changed over 10 years yeah i mean I'm always fascinated seeing how certain fetishes come into vogue and leave. Like I always remember when I first got on the scene, skinheads were really popular. Mm -hmm. And And you know, and you almost don't see it now. Yeah. uh, That has like puppies sort of usurped its position. Absolutely. Um, And, and I I think, I think it's great. Absolutely. It's great. It's, it's not necessarily my thing and that's not what my experience of pop play was. Um, But with pop play, you either you are so ingrained in being a puppy. For me, it was right for me at the time. Um, I was, was start twenties, and and that's a good place to start with puppy play because it's 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 a it's a soft entry into fetish. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, well, I have to be honest. Um, the two partners I had, I was puppy for. They were slightly older than me, and there was this whole daddy son dynamic, yeah, yeah. Um, which I still like to this mm-hmm. day. But it's it's mentoring. Um, which is is one of the things I'm I'm very proud to say is a lot of the things they bestowed on me I now use myself when it comes to younger people mm-hmm. younger fetish people like if if I see something a practice of something where I think that's slightly dangerous I have called people out on on it, you can say if it's my place to say something or not but when I see something a fetish practice where oh this person could get hurt 
I will yeah. go in and maybe give my five cents on it. And it's like, okay, if you want to do that, make sure you do this first. Um, and it's the same thing with drugs. I've always been taught that if you do drugs, make sure you're safe, make sure you know who you're with. Um, I, I can say that. I, I will not say I practiced that myself when I was using. <laughs> Far from it, because your sense of sensibility kind of go out the window. Um, but if someone asks me, it's like, what do you think if I try this? I will tell them what I think, and then they can take it or leave it. That's fine. Yeah. Um, and, and do you know what? I'm getting older. I'm getting much more younger guys writing me now, which is still weird for me because in my head, I'm still 20. Um, and it's, it's, I do find myself becoming a little bit mother hen sometimes, mm-hmm. um, which I, I, one, one thing I get a little bit jealous about on the American scene when it comes to fetish is they do mentoring so well. They do. Uh, where we miss that a little bit here. We see young guys getting hurt because they haven't had anyone maybe just giving them a couple of pointers that that should be enough. It doesn't necessarily have to be like, he's the mentor, he's the mentor, mentor, uh, and they have to follow blah, 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 blah. It doesn't yeah. have to be that. It can but just be like the sort of ambient culture of you look out for new people. Absolutely. And, and I try to do that in my fetish, um, especially after with the last couple of years being so well, a challenge, now with with the group and my I, and um I, I have people writing me and especially because of the article recon was so kind to publish um i have people writing to me just like how do i do it without and i'm just like i don't know how you can do it without but this is what i did and this is the people you can talk to about these things i will not i'm, I'm not a therapist i'm not going to go in and say do that's not i'm i'm not an expert i know what's worked for me but i'm not an expert um but I, I can refer people on to the people who can help them, the professionals that can help them. Um, and, and also, if, if you're a young guy and you're doing drugs, fine. But if you have any inkling about, do you know what, this, is, this could spiral out of control, yeah. um, look at that. That is my advice. Because if you're already thinking about it before it spirals, there is a good chance it will spiral. If you're fine to just do drugs one weekend with fetish and the next weekend not do it, fine, perfect. That 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 is a a main, uh, uh, um using with with um without consequence. Well, there's always consequence, but yeah. um if if you're the type of person that can take it and then leave it, fine. Then I'm not talking to you necessarily. I'm talking to a person that might have an inkling that this could spiral. Um, even if you've only done drugs once and you've you can already feel you've had a taste for it. That doesn't matter. If you feel there might be an issue, just talk to someone about it. It doesn't hurt talking about it. Yeah. I mean, just talking and having someone there to sort of bounce off and get their opinion on can make all the difference. Oh, I, I think, and, and I'm not, I'm not going to mention the clinic, but I, I had an experience where yet again, I'm at the clinic with a number of STDs um, after chem-infused sex and so on. Mm-hmm. Not that there's anything wrong with having an STD, you would just go to the clinic and get treated. Yeah, which I would, I would, Yeah, yeah, you kind of just take it. But I was on a calm down, I was a mess. Um, and they referred me on to a drug counsellor who kind of went, and he asked me how often do I use? And this is a couple of years mm-hmm. ago, so it has changed slightly their view on chem-sex. Um, but that time, this was back in 2015, um, and I was starting to figure out there might be an issue here. 
And the person kind of went, well, how often do you use? Well, I normally use Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So weekend mm-hmm. user. And he kind of went, well, it's only in the weekend. So come back in two months and see how you feel. That is the wrong response. If you think there's an issue, there is an issue. It doesn't matter how much you use or how often you use. If you use every three months and you think it's an issue, then it's an issue. It's very important to be very, very I have a very strong view on that because that person who said to me, come again in two months, sent me out a year more before yeah. I did something because, oh, I'm being silly. I'm being dramatic. No, I wasn't. No, I wasn't being no, dramatic. No, I mean, that was a clear point of chance for reflection and intervention. And yeah, it sort of missed the mark. Oh, absolutely. Um, and and, and I'm, it, this has to be said, this is three years ago and or four years ago now. Um, and people's views on chemsex and the issue around it has changed in the last four years. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that this counsellor has maybe gotten re-educated a little bit. Yeah. Um, because there's, there's nothing wrong in what he says, because he doesn't want us to go, oh, you're an addict, or you, that's definitely dangerous, and so on. He just used the tools he had at the time. Mm-hmm. At the time, it was the wrong tools for me, because it sent me out again. Um, but yeah. Cool. So... If someone does feel like they're having, like, for them it is becoming an issue, uh, who can they talk to? What sort of resources are out there? Well, I, I can only really talk for London, of course, mm-hmm. because that's where I'm based. Um, in London, you have uh, drug counselling through Dean Street, uh, which is uh, a sexual health clinic. They also deal with uh, drug psychosis uh, in their clinic. They have staff who knows what, how to tackle it. Um, they do workshops. Uh, they, um, um, I can mention David Stewart, who is on the forefront of chemsex help, maintenance and help and abstinence-based programs. Um, he heads up a, a, a drug psychosis workshop, which I've attended um, as, as, a, as a sober person, as a clear-headed person, and kind of shared my experience in that. Um, we have London Friends who deal with uh, alcohol and, and, well, all sorts of LGBT plus issues. Um, depression, so on, mental health issues. Um, and on Thursdays, they do something called Antidote at six in the evening. Okay. Um, which is a, a service where you go in. You can you, you only give your first name and which council or which uh, borough you live in. That's it. And you talk to a person and just you, there's no judgment. There's no there's no one that's saying you have to stop. The, the, it's just having that conversation. And that was my first point of contact before. Um, really getting serious about stopping um and they can allocate your key worker that will give you tools how to manage the weekend if you feel triggered and and stuff like that mm-hmm. so if 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 you're having issues and you are in london or close to london or in the uk for that matter because i know people do travel for yeah. their services um I've, I've had people come from scotland i've met oh, wow. through these these services because they offer services there's nowhere else in the country um Go on to London Friend or Dean Street's homepage. It's all on there. Um, it's it's so important. And and you don't necessarily have to go and talk to someone. It's also that there's also advice on their homepages about what effects certain things can have on you and your mental stability and stuff like that. It's 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 about knowing what you take as well. What type of drugs are you taking? Knowing what they're about because sometimes you just take them because they're there. Um, and if you feel my group is interesting and you, you want to do fetish uh, without alcohol or uh, with a clear head. You don't have to be an addict. 
uh, that's just my story. It doesn't have to be yours. Mm-hmm. Um, you, of course, welcome to go on to Facebook and, and find my group under Real Clear Fetish Exclamation Mark. That's in one word. Cool. Um, um, and as, as said, I'm also on Instagram. Mm-hmm. That's just Real Clear Fetish in one word with no exclamation mark. They don't allow exclamation marks for some reason. Um, and I'm also on Twitter under Real Clear Fetish Exclamation Mark. And if you want to write me directly, you can write to Real Clear Fetish at gmail.com brilliant um mm-hmm. yeah i mean i highly recommend recommend people go to the social i had a really nice time there really great guys um yeah it's i would highly recommend it and um thank you for coming on and talking about this it's i think it's really good to actually get people talking about it and destigmatizing, sort of opening up about these sorts of things yeah it's 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 do you know what it's I'm I'm not necessarily the person to look back and go, oh, this is horrible, and play the victim. I'm not out to be a victim for anyone. I'm out to, if if I can prevent just one person from either ended up in a psych ward or dying, I have lost friends to drugs, mm. quite a few. Um, and and just me being open and honest about it, coming on a podcast like this, doing interviews just just being an open book about it and just kind of going this is my experience and i have had people come back to me oh that's my story that that is so me and i'm either i have people that's like oh i'm i'm through it now i'm on the other side of that now which is great it's fantastic to hear that type of strength come back to me but i also have people writing to me saying i am still in it and i'm not ready to stop yeah that's that's okay as well that is completely okay. Just that first initial contact with someone to kind of go, there might be an issue. That can spark something. And that might just accumulate to this person doing something or going, I have had enough. That's so important. It is. It, it can make a Sorry, I'm getting, difference. I'm getting all emotional, actually. But, <laughs> right. um, but, but as you can hear, I'm, I'm very passionate about this. Um, and I, I feel it's so important, especially on the fetish scene where it has become its own little sub fetish. Um, and, and it can be so destructive, so, so destructive and, and you just don't see it coming. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, yes. Thank you for coming on. And I really hope a lot of listeners do take note and, you know, go to a social. <laughs> Try oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, 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 um, if, if any future socials here in London, um, come up, they will always be under the hashtag going and dry. That's normally what the name of the event would be. Um, I normally do an event inside the group, which is a private group, so it's only visible for them, but I also normally do a public one, so anyone can see it. So if you feel you want to come along, just have a search on Facebook, see if you can find another event. Uh, I just had mine on the 18th of January, so I tend to do them every three months, but I don't have a concrete date yet, but have a search online or just contact me and I'll tell you when the next date is. Absolutely. Uh, Ralph, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And I, I, I would love to come back sometime. It's been a pleasure. And I'm sure we can get you on for something else. Um, mm. If you'd like to talk about anything raised tonight uh, or any subject, any suggestions or feedback, uh, you can find us at kinkyboyspodcast at gmail.com or our Facebook kinky boys podcast. And of course, Twitter kinky boys podcast. Um, we also do now do a patron for just one pound a month. You get the episodes a week early. 
as well as um, occasionally a few other bits, but the main perk is you get the show a week early. If you can't even donate, um, please rate and review us on whatever system you listen to us through, because that really helps us get to notice through the algorithm. That'd be lovely. Thank you. I'd be so appreciative. Um, so yes, good night and play safe. <laughs>